Welcome to the Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. The Off-Duty, On-Duty Podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners, and we tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and law enforcement officers to give you both angles of discussion. Today, welcome back, second episode in a row, Steve Moses and uh, special guest Sherry Thompson. And we're going to talk about human trafficking, what it is, how to identify it, what it looks like. Uh, get a lot of questions about that. It seems to be one of the uh, more premier topics in today's world. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Manisex. It is a great dry practice training tool. Clip it onto the end of your uh, your pistol. If you got a light rail, there's all these other adapters. And if you get a smartphone, a tablet, uh, you can dry practice in your own home and uh, just get a lot of instant feedback. Couple that with a barrel block and you're in business. Safe dry practice with instant feedback and coaching. Also, EDC Belt Company, the foundation belt most comfortable functional concealed carry belt on the market hands down they're always our honorary sponsor and honorary sponsor this week is palisade training group with steve moses guy schnitzler and alan mcbee a bunch of good dudes and i wanted to throw out a uh, shout out to my buddy guy down there in texas who's uh working through some injuries and i got to see him this weekend at the range master tactical conference so uh guy keep doing what you do buddy uh love you and uh let's let's get healthy soon so we can take a roll anyway let's bring in our guest welcome back steve moses to the uh off duty on duty podcast your two episodes in a row which kind of uh that puts you in the running with hanny and daryl bulky uh since we're doing hanny's podcast again and uh, new guest to the podcast, we've got uh, Sherry and Steve. If you wouldn't mind, could you give me like a quick introduction and then we'll go over to her? Okay. Well, I'm Steve Moses. Uh, I am one of the three owners and director of training of Palisade Training Group. I was in law enforcement for 18 years. I've been a uh, firearms and defensive tactics instructor now for nearly 30 years, uh, multiple uh, instructor certifications. And uh, one of the things I do is I write content for both CCW Safe and the Farm Trainers Association. And in addition, I am one of the customer support uh, representatives for the Farm Trainers Association. Well, cool. Would you be so kind as to introduce our uh, newest guest and first time guest on the Off Duty On Duty podcast here? Well, I will do exactly that. Uh, her name is Sherry Thompson. Uh, I met Sherry uh, at a Better Beginnings bruncheon that was done for the benefit of Cross Timbers Family Services out of Stephenville, Texas. My wife, Carrie, is the director of finance. Uh, I'm, of course, with my law enforcement background, you know, I, I find anything that deals with uh an organization that assists people that are victims of crime, sexual assault, sex trafficking, uh, some of the just the most 
heinous you know, criminal acts that you can ever imagine that take place on people that can't protect themselves, well, I'm automatically involved. Uh, I've always uh, attended these luncheons. Uh, this year was a particularly, uh, I want to say enjoyable. It was enjoyable. It was also a little bit disturbing in that there was an excellent five-person panel on the subject of sex trafficking. And, uh, you know, I think I may have told you one time, Brian, I know I told Sherry, uh, one time, I believe it was Hanny, it was myself and another deputy, uh, we were running warrants, and uh, we picked up on a warrant, uh, a person that had a bench warrant. Uh, we took him to the holding cell there in the Tarrant County Jail in Fort Worth, and when I walked in, there were about six I'm going to say my, my take on it, there were six prostitutes there awaiting to be uh, processed. And uh, while I was waiting for the person that we had arrested to be, you know, booked in this so we could check out, uh, I'm a uh, by nature, by my history is I graduated with a speech communication consultancy degree. So I'm very, very interested in, you know, verbal and nonverbal communications. I watch people. And so I was watching them. And I was struck by, one, how young they seemed, how fresh-faced they seemed, and how nervous and agitated they saw they seemed. And so I was kind of like going, well, girls, you know, y'all need to make better decisions. And I had no idea at the time that probably without question, all of them were, you know, victims of sex trafficking. Uh, they weren't prostitutes. They weren't there on their own free will. They were probably in a, a position where they basically had no choice. And ever since then, or at least, you know, since that lunch, and I've kind of like felt sort of bad about my being, you know, judgmental. You know, I did. I was very respectful to them. It wasn't anything like that. It was just that uh, you girls need to get your life together. Now I'm like going, oh, my God. I hope those girls came out okay. You know, as a matter of fact, I've even thought about it multiple times since then. Uh, like I said, Sherry was part of a five-person uh, panel. Uh, we had a uh, two counselors from Cross Timbers uh, Family Services and a, a chief nurse officer with the Texas Health Resources, along with Sherry, that spoke on it. And Sherry's background is law enforcement. Uh, she has a very, very, uh, how should I say this, impressive law enforcement career. Uh, she retired as a sergeant with Fort Worth Police Department. There she was, if I believe this is correct, I believe she was a, the supervisor for the sex crimes unit as well as human trafficking. Uh, she is now doing something like that or something very similar to that at Tarleton State University in uh, Stephenville, Texas, which of course, uh, that's right next to where Cross Timbers Family Services is. And surprisingly, there's more cases out of there than I thought was possible. So I took the opportunity to ask Sherry if she would be willing to be on a podcast. Uh, I thought you would be a great podcast host. And so here we are. Well, Sherry, uh, yes, let's have you give the uh, introduce yourself to the listening audience. I, I think Steve covered the high points, but uh Okay. Well, welcome yeah. aboard. I appreciate you being on. Thank you. Um, I joined Fort Worth in uh, 1988. Uh, I totally have 14 years patrol experience and about 14 in sex crimes and human trafficking. Uh, so I didn't move around a lot. I tended to get in one position and stay. Um, I 
retired thinking I would never go back to work, but I retired so young that the chief out at Tarleton called and wanted my sex crimes experience out at the university. So I'm here now. Uh, if anybody out there is interested in law enforcement, Fort Worth Police Department is a great department. They were very good to me. I worked hard and stayed out of trouble. And I had a great career. Uh, I love Tarleton as well. It's a great school. 95% of these students will never meet me. I work all the uh, criminal cases. So whatever the title of the crime is, uh, and I'm the only one out here. So I'm as busy sometimes as I was in Fort Worth. And uh, in Fort Worth, I was used to working on a team. So it's a little bit different out here, but it's it's a great town. Uh, I have gotten to know Stephenville PD, who uh, I'm very loyal to Fort Worth, but Stephenville, um, they are some of the finest people I've ever known. They're a great department. They work really hard and uh, they work hard at being a great department. So I stayed because of them. The DA's office also is exceptional and uh, I'm still useful. I'm still young enough at this point to be useful. So I will stay as long as that's the case. Uh, that's my uh, experience. I was a detective and then a sergeant. So just uh, because my curiosity has peaked, what kept you involved in investigating sex crimes? Uh, at, at Tarleton, uh, oh, you mean in Fort Worth? Just in I, general, you you were mentioned about 14 years of that. So I did. Um, it, it was a long time. Um, you know, that's just, I'm a justice seeker. I, I'm not a counselor. I'm not an advocate. That's not my piece of the puzzle. I'm a justice seeker. And uh, in sex crimes, we, we had a great team. We worked really hard. It was as important to us to clear the innocent as it was to arrest the guilty. So um, probably I stayed for my team and for the cases and for the victims. Sexual assault and, and human trafficking are really vicious and hideous crimes. And they say not everybody can do that, but it seems to be my my primary skill is to solve a rape case or a human trafficking case. I don't have any musical or uh, acting ability. I don't have any real talent other than my skill set for whatever reason lies in solving cases. So what is human trafficking? That's the topic of our podcast tonight. And, and I think a lot of our listening audience, they hear it in the media. It, it, it seems to be a buzzword right now uh, and and people seem to be kind of laser beam focused on it and being uh, the three of us are all pretty well experienced cops. We've known it's always existed. So, but just for everyone else's sake, let's, what is human trafficking? I assure you, your listeners will completely understand by the time we're done. Human trafficking can involve labor or sex. Tonight, this podcast, we're, we're going to really address the sex trafficking. Um, and for simplicity, when I, I did the panel I or any talk on this, I refer to the trafficker as he because it's, it. the males are the majority of my suspects, but and the victims are the majority of the victims are female, but it's really for simplicity. But always keep in mind that it can be very, very interchangeable. Uh, human trafficking, uh, what people don't realize is that it is a crime motivated by money, specifically the perpetrator's financial gain, whereas sexual assault is a crime motivated by power, hate, or control. So there's a little bit difference there. Um, 
I do these because the key to all of this, believe it or not, is education, information, and knowledge. Good people want to help, but they don't know what they don't know, and they can't help if they don't know how. So I I think the answer is in in this type of podcast or panel or anywhere where we can get the information out. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that human trafficking is a federal crime. So if as detectives, we could prove the human trafficking part of the case, it, it was preferred because you tend to get longer sentences with federal crimes. Um, they so, do it different. I'm sorry. So what are the elements of human trafficking? The elements are one of three things, fraud, force, or coercion. One of those has to exist unless, and that the exception is unless they're minors, and then you don't have to prove up any element. Uh, most of the human trafficking victims are, are 17, 18, up to 22, 25 years old. Uh, the fraud in human trafficking. And, you know, one of the big things about human trafficking is people don't understand the trafficking word. It, it can be very misleading. The reason it is called human trafficking is it doesn't really have anything to do with location. It, uh, it has to do with the word trafficking means that human beings are so reusable that um, where was I? Humans are so reusable that the crime of human trafficking itself is in constant motion. So there's there's smuggling, which I'll explain, and then we'll quickly move on to the actual human trafficking. Smuggling involves the transfer or movement of people or documents. And a lot of people think that that is human trafficking, and it isn't. Uh, the smuggling is moving from one location to another. And generally, there's always exceptions, but generally the person has consented or paid for the initial activity. A smuggling person can quickly become a trafficking victim, but usually smuggling involves their consent initially, whereas human trafficking isn't dependent on any location because you can be a human trafficking victim without ever leaving your own home. And we'll talk about some court cases that will really shore that up for you. Uh, a trafficking victim never consents, unlike the smuggled person. And to meet the legal definition of, of human trafficking, you have to prove force, fraud, or coercion. So force is the easy one. Everybody knows you can't compel another person to have sex with other people for your profit by using violence, injury, weapon, or threats. That's the easy one. Fraud in the human trafficking sense uh, isn't as common. It's the one, the model or the nanny. Uh, fraud is when a person is hired or believes they're getting a model or nanny type job and they show up for that job and then they are thrust into a human trafficking situation with no way to escape. So we don't see the fraud element in human trafficking as much as the force and the coercion. The coercion element is very common. And as soon as I explain it, everyone will understand that they, they knew this. They just may not have realized they knew what coercion is. Uh, 
coercion is a duress element. It's an exploitation type element and coercion. It's actually the act of instilling fear into someone to compel them to act against their best interest. An example of coercion is a guy uh, convinced his female neighbor, who was a single mother, that if she didn't have sex with the men that he brought to her for his profit, he would turn her into child protective services for abusing her children when she wasn't abusing them. So he exploited her fear of government agencies, child protective services, and the fear of losing her children. That would is, is a perfect example of coercion. You manipulate their weakness or their fear. So one thing people don't realize is traffickers are very patient people, and they spend months figuring out someone's weakness to know what to exploit. And then they use that weakness to convince them that their particular nightmare, their fear will come true if they don't participate in this money-making business for the human trafficker. Does that make sense? Yeah, that covers a lot of the elements and those are uh, very enlightening to me as well. Steve, what do you got? Well, uh, I've got the definition of human trafficking uh, based upon the Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000 as amended, so I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, It defines severe forms of trafficking in persons as sex trafficking in which a commercial sex act is induced by force, fraud, or coercion, or in which the person induced to perform such an act has not attained 18 years of age, or the recruitment, harboring, transportation, provision, or obtaining of a person for labor or service through the use of force, fraud, or coercion for the purpose of subjection to involuntary servitude, peonage, uh, debt bondage, or slavery. Uh, Pretty much everything that uh, Sherry said there, uh, the main thing is, is, People sometimes when they look at trafficking, they think, golly, that's really a shame that happens. But how does that affect me? Uh, Sherry will discuss that in a little bit and everything. But that was one of the the things that really struck me at this particular uh, brunch during that panel presentation was that, okay, well, I think this would be real interesting to know this, uh, you know, and then as I listened to it. As a uh, as a grandfather, father, friend, uncle, cousin, I then became concerned because I realized then that trafficking, most especially sex trafficking, uh, affects us all. And uh, I'll go into a little bit later as to what we as concealed carriers can do about it. So, Sherry. Yes, sir. Now that we understand the elements, how do we identify someone who is being trafficked or or that that meets the criteria for those elements of the crime? Um, And first, I think it's important for people to understand the difference between a pimp and a trafficker a prostitute and a human trafficking victim. They are very different. So in order to figure that out, you have to look at the element of control. The trafficker and the pimp, they run this business for profit, so they're in it for the money. But you have to look at if she is free to walk away without fear of death, injury, threats, blackmail, then she is a prostitute and he's a pimp. If she isn't free, 
to walk away and she is being compelled to stay and engage in sexual activity for his profit by the elements of fraud, force or coercion, then she is the trafficking victim and he is the trafficker. So that kind of helps uh, people understand the difference. Uh, And an important note on that is a prostitute might feel forced into that business for a variety of her own reasons. She may feel like she has no choice, financial lack of education, escaped an abusive home, homeless, whatever her reason may be. But for human trafficking, if the perpetrator isn't forcing her to stay by force, fraud, or coercion, then she is a prostitute. And uh, a trafficking victim, unlike a prostitute, never consents. And the trafficking victim is always compelled by one of those three factors. And don't don't forget, the exception is always the minor. It doesn't take any of those things to prove up a case involving a minor. So some of the red flags that as as uh, people understand, uh, the red flags tend to be uh, if someone's personality abruptly changes kind of look out for that not any of these alone indicate sexual trafficking but when you take them all into account and and there's a person is exhibiting several of these signs then you might want to look further uh, because I say this all the time and and it's very true the key to all of this is education knowledge and information you cannot help if you don't know how and you don't know what you don't know Uh, Some of the red flags are multiple STDs. The abrupt personality change is really a big one. Uh, Multiple pregnancies, malnutrition, uh, chronic pain complaints. And, And these signs are telltale if they're new. If they suddenly kind of appear, an aunt might notice a niece having these signs where they didn't the girl didn't before. So that's important. Uh, Avoids eye contact. That's a big one. Uh, A really big one is the, they don't appear to be free to speak or they look around before speaking. That's, that's a really good red flag. It just means that you need to do a little bit more homework into this individual's situation. If you are going to try to help save or rescue them. Uh, High risk victims are generally from abusive homes, uh, poverty, drug abuse, runaway, homeless, lonely, isolated. Those are the the uh, most predominant uh, sex trafficking victims. In uh, law enforcement, it is very, very difficult to prove up a human trafficking case. And the reason for that, there's several. One of them is. And people don't realize this, but when I say it, that light bulb tends to come on. The only educator a human trafficking victim gets is generally from her trafficker. He's the one teaching her. And most often he's isolated her so that no one else has access to her. Uh, So it is very, very difficult to get a human trafficking victim to cooperate. One of the hurdles is... She's been taught 
that if she reports the human trafficking, she will be arrested for prostitution. And unfortunately, historically, that is true. Before the public and before law enforcement were educated on those elements of human trafficking, the victim was often misunderstood and arrested. Uh, Another reason that human trafficking victims don't want to cooperate or are reluctant to cooperate with us is because their traffickers are often the ones who provide their basic needs, their food, housing, utilities, transportation. So she has been taught that if she reports him to the police, he might be arrested, he might be prosecuted. He might even be convicted. He might be sentenced. But then he has taught her that who will provide for those needs? Where will she live? How will she eat? And oftentimes he has also threatened to return her to the abusive home she escaped from uh, that led to the human trafficking. Uh, Human trafficking victims are are often uneducated to the cross timbers type counseling services and the victim services that our victim agencies provide. Uh, So to her, she doesn't see any positive outcome for her if she reports it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. The, The last hurdle that, we have to overcome is the trauma bond. And that is another significant reason that the victims uh, are reluctant to cooperate. He has convinced her that she gets to live because he lets her. Uh, He's convinced her that she's not suffering broken bones or beatings because he chooses not to beat her. So she's been taught to feel this sort of mental gratitude to the person she believes lets her live. And that's why the answer for all of this is education, information, and knowledge. Uh, When I retired from Fort Worth, I had no intentions of ever working again. And now I'm out at the university and I see firsthand why college campuses are right for human trafficking. Uh, It's also important to note that all of this information that we discussed today is from my Fort Worth experience. None of the cases we will talk about today are from Stephenville or Tarleton. Uh, Fort Worth spent a lot of money training me, so hopefully Tarleton is the benefactor. But uh, that's important to note because I haven't been at Tarleton long enough for any any of my felony cases to get into trial. So uh, the only cases I can talk about are the ones that have been that a final disposition has been reached. So uh, college campuses, surprisingly, are ripe for human trafficking because the perpetrator has a large pool of victims in a small area. The trafficker, and every one of you will know it, uh, this type of student, every one of your listeners know a person like this. The trafficker tends to select the college student who's isolated, lonely, neglected, the one trying to fit in, the quiet one, the one with no family or friends checking in, texting, calling, the one from an abusive home, the one who escaped poverty. The trafficker will zero in on that type There's always exceptions, but generally the trafficker will zero in on that type of student. Uh, 
Once the trafficker selects his victim, he will work for months to gain her trust, either becoming a trusted friend or a boyfriend. He will oftentimes become that student's only inner circle. And so that kind of leads back to the education these trafficking victims receive is from him. The the trafficker will ensure that the depend that the victim depends solely on him. He will provide her with the free alcohol, the drugs, whatever it is she needs, money uh, to gain her trust. He will then use the force, fraud, or coercion. Most of the time on a college campus, you see the coercion element at play here. He will then compel her to have sex with his friends and then other people for his own profit. He'll begin slow with his friends and then he will uh, have her have engage in sex with his with strangers. Uh, an example of college coercion is the trafficker convinces the student that if she doesn't have sex with his friends and strangers for money for his profit, he will report her to the college for her alcohol and drug use. And he convinced her that the college will suspend her and she will have to go back to the same home where she grew up sexually and physically abused. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. So Steve, you look like you got something. Go ahead. Oh, no, it's not so much. I mean, I'm just kind of listening to this and I'm just like going to me, this is just so incredibly horrible. And the thing is, I think probably all of us are maybe only one or two degrees of separation from a person that probably meets you know, that description. And in a lot of instances, you know, when I've talked to people about the subject of, of trafficking, and I think I mentioned this before, you know, their first uh, reaction is, well, why is this important to me? Well, the answer is, uh, if you are any kind of a decent person and you believe that we need to take care of our young people who are going to be those that are going to be taking our place in years to come, then we all need to be engaged in that. And then Sherry's also going to talk about some stuff that even goes beyond this in terms of people that are being abused in that manner are children that don't meet that same high risk you know, description and everything. So that's about all I really have to say. But other than this is way more relevant, I believe, to all of us than we may think. And in addition, you know, the fact that this is just happening to other people and they're having to leave lead these kind of lives after leaving lives that they thought were even worse to me is just a pretty much a, a, a it's a real tragedy. True. Sex trafficking, human trafficking can literally happen to anyone. Uh, I, I'm never glad that I have the court cases to discuss, but the court cases are important because these cases that I will explain to your listeners will shore up any confusion or misunderstanding that they may have for sex trafficking, for human trafficking. The cases tend to put it into perspective, real perspective. So one of the human trafficking cases was a, a mother and a father allowed men to come into their home and charged 
$80 to have sex with their five-year-old and $50 to have sex with their eight-year-old. Those parents are human traffickers. So you see how you can become a human trafficking victim and never leave your own home. Those parents were profiting off of selling their children and those elements of fraud, force, or coercion in this case simply do not have to be present or exist. You don't need those elements for children uh, or minors. Uh, an example of coercion in a, in a case was a single mother convinced her 18-year-old that if she didn't engage in sex with men for money, they would be evicted from their apartment they would have to go live in a homeless shelter. She instilled a lot of fear about the homeless shelter. And keep in mind, when you're manipulating, you're not usually telling the truth. So the mother really played on the daughter's fear of a shelter. She convinced her daughter that they would be raped while homeless. And she convinced her daughter that that shelter residents and other homeless people would steal all of their stuff. And she finished her coercion up with convincing her daughter that they would starve. And the mom uh, convinced her daughter that she, the mom, couldn't have sex with these men because she had a health condition and she couldn't get a job. There was nothing the mother could do to help their situation. So she put it all on her daughter. And uh, after about six months of that grooming, her daughter did engage uh, in sex by this coercion factor uh, and had sex with the men that the mother brought to her for the mother's profit. So that's, that's always a particularly sad case because you can see how an 18-year-old who loves her mother is slowly groomed to believe that this is their only way out. Uh, and everybody knows the force example. So I don't, I don't really talk much about the, the force cases, but they're basically, you can't beat choke your girlfriend every time she's reluctant to have sex with other men for your profit. Those are the easy ones. Uh, 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 interesting case with a mixture of those elements is a, a female was addicted to Oxycontin she went over to her drug dealer's house to buy her drug of choice, and her dealer provided it. That night, he told her that he was busy and would collect the money later. He purposely did that so that she would owe him. She showed up a second time, and he pulled her into the house and refused to provide her that drug that she was, by that point, addicted to. He then compelled her to have sex with the other men in the house for his profit by saying that she had to work off her drug debt and he gave her the options of police involvement or broken bones. So that case is, is a rare one because it has a lot of those elements in it. The best case that I have that will finish shoring up any last bit of confusion that anyone might have is uh, the uh, breakfast restaurant case. This case, I think, best helps people understand the difference between human trafficking, uh, sex trafficking, and sexual assault. So a young lady 
met a guy online. They texted for a while. It was one of those dating apps. They texted for a few weeks and then they agreed to meet at a public breakfast restaurant in Fort Worth. Uh, As they were finishing their meal, he jabbed her with a needle in the thigh under the table. She woke up in a Louisiana motel. He brought dozens of men to the motel room to have sex with her, and he collected the money from them. Every time she woke up enough to protest, he jabbed her again. So what is interesting about this case is the men who came to that room and had sex with her are rapists. They are not human trafficking. Uh, They are not human traffickers. They had sex with her when they knew she was drugged and incapacitated and they knew she couldn't consent. So they're rapists. The man who jabbed her with the needle is the trafficker. In this particular case, he actually did not have sex with her. He profited off of forcing her to have sex with these other men for his profit. An interesting note for that case is if he had raped her as well in that condition, then you would have, as a detective, you would have both crimes, sex trafficking and sexual assault. But as as a detective, you would want to try to prove up the human trafficking because it's the federal crime with generally longer sentences. I hope that shores it up and and it really kind of hits home to people that human trafficking is not smuggling and it involves a lot of different circumstances and those three elements, fraud, force and coercion. People will never forget those three words, fraud, force, coercion. So that's that's pretty much uh, it in a nutshell. Uh, You cannot help if you don't know how. Steve? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Steve. Well, uh, something else that I was going to say that Sherry had touched on in the panel was uh, the use of social media and social events as a means of these uh, sex traffickers getting in contact with these, uh, you know, these vulnerable young people, and that's both men and women. Uh, I believe they use Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, messaging. Uh, All of those are used to find victims. And as a matter of fact, there's even some resources for people uh, in reference to Internet safety. Uh, Let's see here. Yeah, here's one. Uh, InternetSafety101.org trafficking. Uh, that's probably not a bad idea for us as as uh, older adults to uh, monitor to some extent uh, what our young people are doing. And uh, in some instances, the young people we're talking about, uh, they're not necessarily teenagers. Uh, these are people that, you know, as Sherry deals with, that are college and even out of college. And another thing that a lot of people I don't believe uh, know that they are vulnerable or where they're vulnerable is going to be at social events. So from what I understand, traffickers will go to sporting events. They'll go to clubs, parties. uh, They'll go to bars. And uh, their objective there is to take advantage of intoxicated or unconscious or semi-conscious persons and then take them to uh, another place in which there they can be, you know, uh, sexually trafficked. 
So that's really a big warning to all of us that even if you believe that you do not live in a home that is at high risk because of many of the environmental stuff that Sherry was talking about, uh, even young people that we think have everything together and everything to live for, uh, they can make a mistake and they can find themselves in a very, very bad situation. Now, Coming back to what can concealed carriers do, uh, one of the things that I believe is that people that are successful at avoiding situations in which they are forced to defend themselves or when they are forced to defend themselves and do so successfully, much of it is based upon their situational awareness. And that's something that we have discussed. And I don't know how many podcasts I, I hear it discussed, you know, almost uh, every day. Uh, I hear it, you know, people talking about that in courses they're offering. I think that's really an important thing for all of us. And one of the things is now that we are a little bit more aware, and I think uh, Sherry's done a great job, and if we see stuff like this, uh, this is an opportunity for us not to intervene physically, but for us to maybe get some information and contact the authorities. Uh, my stepsister is a uh, uh, interstate um, trucker, and one of the things that she said takes place all the time is that uh, there are, for lack of a better term, uh, pimps or sex traffickers that are uh, offering uh, sexual services to truckers all over the United States. As a matter of fact, they do it openly. Uh, she has turned in to the authorities uh, on several occasions uh, information regarding what she heard and, uh, you know, let the authorities uh, figure out exactly if they can do anything, and if so, what they can do. But I think it's just super important for all of us to kind of ratchet up our awareness and include uh for lack of a better term, it's third-party defense, but it's not actually physical intervention. It is making it so that sex trafficking becomes a much more risky thing for these people to do. And, you know, we may be that one person that our intervention um, saves the life of someone. So all of that I kind of thought needed to be discussed in this podcast. Of course. And, and if you are a high-risk victim or you feel like you're in danger, just uh, know where your local police department is. People don't realize out at Tarleton, these students can walk in here anytime. Uh, we actually are filled with uh, retired Fort Worth PD. We have seven retired Fort Worth officers at Tarleton. We have retired Arlington, Austin, Tarrant, Harrison, Hood County, Odessa, and we have a retired Marine. So we have about 500 ex years of experience in this building. Stephenville is, is the same way. They're a great police department. 95% of the officers in this country are doing what they're supposed to be doing and they want to help. So look for your local police department, know where it is, know how to reach them and know the, the there's always a 24 hour hotline for human trafficking. Uh, it, it is 888-373-7888, but anybody can Google it. It's it's right there to see. Uh, and, and just know, always be aware of your surroundings. Uh, if you feel scared, if the hair kind of on the back of your neck stands up, there's a reason for that. Uh, with we, we tell a lot of our victims with uh, men tend to call it gut instinct. Women tend to call it women's intuition. But it's that fear that it, that 
in your body is has one purpose, and that's to steer you away from danger, from danger that you don't even consciously realize is present or about to come to you. So if I could get people to pay attention to that and not slough it off, like I don't want to be ugly to somebody, I don't want to be mean. Uh, if I could get them to pay attention to that fear, it's a very real thing and it will steer you from the harm if you pay attention. And a really good example of that instinct is it's a very simple example, but people will laugh because everyone will know what I'm talking about. A good example of that feeling, if I can get people to hold on to that feeling and act, leave the situation, call someone, do whatever they have to do to get away from that impending danger. But a good example is uh, when you're spending the night, when you're a teenager, you're spending the night at your friend's house and you are sleeping on the couch and you hear the ice in the ice maker in the refrigerator that you know everybody has nowadays everybody has the water and the ice and it and it dumps that ice and it makes that kind of crashing noise and the first time that you hear that noise you will tend to wake up because you're scared you don't recognize your your body that intuition doesn't recognize that that ice sound isn't danger as soon as it does that feeling of fear goes away and you relax and you go back to sleep that one second of that fear from that sound that you don't recognize at first is that feeling I'm talking about. So if you feel that, it's because your body recognizes, your brain recognizes that fear before you do, before you actually can articulate it. So leave. You don't owe anybody to be nice. If you feel afraid or scared, leave, get help, go lock yourself into a room, call someone, do whatever you have to do, but pay attention to that fear. That feeling will never lead you into danger. It will try to remove you from it if you pay attention. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, Steve, you got any final questions or thoughts? Uh, well, not so much questions. I do have thoughts, and that is bringing this back full circle to Cross Timbers Family Services. Uh, what they do is they offer free services to men and women, whether adult or children, that are victims of crime, including sexual violence and sexual assault, uh, human trafficking, sex trafficking, etc. They, th through uh, direct assistance donations, uh, they will provide emergency and long-term housing, transportation, and basic needs. They have advocates that will work with the victim as they go through the criminal justice system. There are people in place that want to help these victims. And I think in some instances, uh, the victims think they have no other options if they don't stay where they are, that they don't know what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to perish. 
That's not the case. There's places like Cross Timbers. Uh, there's I know there's ones in Oklahoma City. I know there's ones in, you know, for instance, like Cross Timbers handles not only Erath County, where I'm located, but seven adjacent counties. So there is help out there. So there is a place for people to go if they decide to get out of this, you know, this vicious circle. And one of the things I can say just from my uh, some of the stories that my wife has told me, none of which have revealed the identity of the victim, is that the people at Cross Timbers, and I know it sounds like I'm making a pitch for Cross Timbers. Obviously, you know, we serve a really, they serve a very small area, but they take these things super personal. And when they get somebody out of the system and set them up so that they can lead a successful life, they consider that to be a huge win. So there is light out there at the end of the tunnel. And and Cross Timbers, what a a group of special people they are out there. I am a justice seeker. That's always been my role in this. I'm I'm not an advocate or counselor, but I always uh, appreciate Cross Timbers and, and the counselors in Fort Worth as well. There's help everywhere, but I always appreciate being able to turn my victim over to them for that piece of the puzzle. And Cross Timbers does that very well. Thanks for uh, coming on, Steve and Sherry. Sherry, first-time guest. I appreciate your time. Reminder, if you haven't, check out today's sponsors, Manus X and EDC Belt Company. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Apologize, this week I was teaching at Rangemaster, so my voice is a bit shot, but... Thanks for being patient and being a listener. The numbers are always looking good and always looking better and try to provide you guys some good quality content. Also, if you feel compelled, uh, I've got a Patreon page, Eastridge Training and Consulting on Patreon. It's $3 a month if you feel like joining the Adopt-A-Cop program. Doing some cool stuff with uh, gun disassembly and maintenance and some minor gunsmithing stuff. Anyway, the Off-Duty On-Duty podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.